Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is the Relunchables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, and each episode, we'll be breaking down another 90s, early 2000s kids movie. I am not alone. Each episode, I will be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. This is a bonus episode in which I bring on one of the stars of Alley Cat Strike, Robert Richard. You may know him from One on One, Cousin Skeeter, or Coach Carter. We talked about how he got started acting, some memories from Alley Cat Strike, and he may have even signed up for the sequel. So let's get into my interview with acclaimed actor and fitness guru, Robert Richard. And just because I love hearing it, let's play the Disney Channel original movie, Intro Music. Okay, we are now joined by one of the stars of Alley Cat Strike, Robert Richard. Robert, thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables podcast. Oh, man, it's good to be here, man. How you guys doing? What's going on, world? How are you guys? <laughs> My listeners, of course, know you from Cousin Skeeter, Coach Carter, one-on-one, among numerous other films and television shows. Before we get into Alley Cat Strike specifically, I want to go even further back. It seems like you started acting around the age of 13 or so. Do you remember the moment you knew you wanted to be an actor, and what was the inspiration for that? Um, yeah, no, you threw out the whole, like, 90s catalog. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's funny. Like, young people today are all trying to figure out, you know, what they want to do. And, you know, at 13, like, you know, you're just coming into your teens, and, you know, you're just still figuring out life. So, you know, my heart was set on being an astronaut. Like that's what really? I wanted to do. Yeah, I wanted to like be a mission specialist. Uh, I was studying like calculus and like science experiments, and like I was going to the Space Academy in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, I went to space camp at Cape Canaveral in Florida. Uh, I saw space launches. I was already part of Johns Hopkins University for the Institute of Academic Advancement of Youth. I was already taking college classes. Like I wanted to be a mission specialist. Like on the space shuttle in space. And, you know, uh, the reason why I, like, relate to that is, like, there's so many kids these days, like, they're on TikTok and they're on, you know, Snapchat and they're on Instagram, and they're all just trying to figure out, like, what they relate to. Like, do they like sciences? Do they like art? Do they like graphic design stuff? You know, do they like dancing and want to get in entertainment and be, like, an influencer or a YouTuber? You know, like, they're all trying to figure it out. And so was I. So... You know, I kind of got scared into, um, like, doing some acting stuff, and I just didn't back down. And huh. I got dared to go to this uh, this competition in Hollywood at the Ivor Theater, and um, I ended up going and winning first place, and all the judges were agents. And this is right in uh, December of, damn, what was that, 1994, December, like before Christmas? Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. And so then, yeah, so then right in 
I guess it was 1995. Yeah, that sounds about right. 1995, 90, oh, 96. It was 96. It was January 1996. And um, I went out for my first audition ever and booked it. And it was hanging with Mr. Cooper, Reggie's mom. So, yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. And then right after that, you know, I did, um, I booked um, a basketball movie called Nickelodeon Sports Theater. It was hosted by Shaquille O'Neal. And it was like a sports drama that Nickelodeon was doing. It's an hour-long show. And it was me and Keenan from all that. Um, and um, I was an athlete, so it was great to do that role because it felt like I was still doing, you know, what my other passions were, which was, you know, sports. I loved basketball and baseball and football. And I got to do a movie with Shaq and Nick Van Exel from the Lakers and Rick Fox from the Lakers. Like, I got to work out with all these, like, super cool athletes on a movie and to have that, um, you know, enshrined forever. It was great. I couldn't even imagine being a kid and having the opportunity to kind of relive and hash out your dream of, you know, possibly playing professional sports and having to meet Shaq and all these, you know, famous, famous people that you looked up to as a kid. I would regret not having you on and not mentioning Cousin Skeeter as someone who grew up on that show. It definitely holds a special place in my heart. And that intro music was so iconic. That and Keenan and Kel was just, I won't try to sing it here. I'm, not, I'm definitely no performer, but what do you remember about working on that show? And I imagine you must have learned a lot of acting in that, working with essentially a puppet. Yeah, so it's so funny. So, okay, so we did the sports theater thing, the Shaq thing, and then we won all these awards, and the ratings were incredible. So then Shaq comes back and says, let's do another one. So we did another one that was a baseball one, and they set it back in, like, the 1930s or 40s, like, right before um, Jackie Robinson had integrated sports. So the story was about, like, this young kid who's, like, you know, in, like, middle school or something like that, and he wants to play Major League Baseball, and his teacher um, is telling him, well, you can play in the Negro League, but you won't be able to play in Major League because it's a separate league for African Americans and for um, for whites. And so, like, he ends up, like, you know, meeting this guy named Jackie, and Jackie's like, you never know what's right around the corner. Like, don't ever let somebody put a glass ceiling over your dreams and your endeavors. You know, just keep playing ball, and, like, you never know what's going to happen. And then, like, in the storyline, like, the guy Jackie he met, it was really Jackie Robinson and became the first, like, you know, Negro basketball, uh, baseball player. Um, and so then, like, his dreams were, you know, were able to come true. And so we did both of these, and we won awards for both of the dramas we did. And then Nickelodeon just came to me, and they're like, hey, we want to put you on a contract. We want to make a show for you. We don't even know what the show is, but we'll figure it out. And so they came up with a show concept that I didn't even know about because I never used to read. Like, I, that wasn't my thing. Like, I liked math, but I didn't like reading. So when they were telling me about the, about the show concept, I don't know, they sent me like an email. I never read it. <laughs> didn't hear it. You know? And so I got flown I got flown to Orlando and they put me up in the Peabody Hotel. If anyone knows Orlando knows the Peabody. That's like the Waldorf Astoria of like of Orlando. It's like a five star, like really sophisticated hotel where all the Coca Cola bottles cost like twelve dollars. <laughs> so they they put me um they put me in uh, the hotel, and then they brought me to, like, the Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, and I remember sitting at the table and, like, the most attractive girl ever, 
like walks and and it was Megan Good. Whoa! Oh my God! <laughs> and she walked in and she smiled at me, and then she just walked over me and sat next to me. And I just thought, oh my God, this girl is so beautiful. I was just like, all right, play cool, play cool, play cool. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, hi. I'm like, um, she's like, how are you? She's like, what's your name? I'm like, my name's Bobby. I'm like, exactly like the show. <laughs> so she's like, oh, they named the character after you. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, so I got to work with Megan, and um, you know, obviously, like my character had a crush on her, and in real life, I, I had a big, big, big crush on her. She was amazing. And then she comes full circle. I've worked with her so many times now. She's directed me. And now we're playing boyfriend and girlfriend again in a new show um, that we're shooting for Amazon Universal. It all comes full circle. And I guess it was just the method acting back then. It was just you acting as yourself, right? Oh, man, dude. The times I wanted to kiss that young girl, dude. She's so pretty. <laughs> Woo! I love it. I love it. I love it. So, but then what's so cool was, okay, so then the funny thing about the Cousin Skeeter thing while shooting it, um, I had a really, really great relationship with the guy his name's Drew Massey, and Drew was the puppeteer who like worked um, Cousin Skeeter. He was like the head, the face of Cousin Cousin Skeeter. His arm was like up, you know, Skeeter or whatever. And then um, Allison was the arms, but the guy who did the head didn't do the arms. Hmm. It was two people to do it. It's great. Um, and, um, I had a great relationship with Drew and spent so much time with him. He was so like, you know, just like a good, awesome guy, sweet guy. Um, and so when we were on set, our chemistry was already so intact and so funny. And I think that's part of the reason why, like Skeeter and I, like as my cousin was like, we were so interactive and so close because I was close to, you know, even Drew. At the time, I could never say Drew's name because that was the one thing was that we were always going to um, refer to Skeeter as real, always as my cousin. <laughs> so that was like in the contract, like, you know, never, ever refer to Skeeter ever as if it's not a real human, real human being. It's great. That's unbelievable. Uh, moving on to the theme of the podcast here and going through 90s kids movies, and we just finished recapping Alley Cat Strike. Uh, specifically, what do you remember about the casting process for that? Looking back, it's it's kind of crazy. Yourself, Kaylee Cuoco, Kyle Schmid, uh, Laura Vandervoort were all part of this cast and ended up ended up having such successful careers. Uh, what do you remember about that time? Oh my God, I love it. So, what was the director's name? I think his name is Rod Daniels. I think is his name. He was such a great, great director. And so, it's so funny. Okay, so I live in Los Angeles. We shot Alley Cat in Toronto, Canada. Now, it's like the 90s, so there wasn't, like, you know, a lot of, like, videotape sending, like, all that, you know, YouTube uploading. So they wanted me for Alley Cat, flew me to Toronto for the audition. I was there for one day. I landed, <laughs> went to the audition, stayed the night, flew home the next day. Then two days later, they're like, you're hired. Come right back. <laughs> I had to pack a bag and move to Toronto for like two months and uh i stayed at the sudden place hotel in toronto everyone knows Sutton. that's a really really nice hotel and the whole cast was there so it was me um kaylee kaylee's room was right next to mine um mimi paley so kyle and laura lived in toronto they, they didn't live in the hotel with us see what i'm saying gotcha 
So I got really, really close with Kaylee because she was like a little sister to me. She was with me all the time. And she always was like, Rob, let's go get in trouble. Let's go, like, get on our scooters and, like, go down, like, Toronto. Let's go, like, swimming. So I was, like, super, super. We talked every single night for, like, six, eight hours. That's, like, my, like, ace right there. And then, and then Kyle and Laura, they knew each other. But Laura was, like, my girlfriend in the show. And we just got really close. Like, I ended up, like, Laura and I ended up dating. Because I was so, like, she was so sweet. And her mom was so nice. And her mom invited me to come over for, like, Easter or something. And um, I remember bringing, like, candles to her mom and to Laura. And Laura told me, like, I'm never going to let this candle burn out. Because I'm always going to keep it. And I remember going in her backyard and catching fireflies. It was so romantic. I'm like climbing in like her, uh, she had a tree house. <laughs> and that's the first time I think I kissed Laura was under that, that tree house. Oh man, that was great. <laughs> she's, I think she's married now, right? And had a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that Laura probably would have ended up being like, you know, like my significant other longer term had we not, had I not left Canada. Left Toronto. That's crazy. We're starting to see a theme here of all these uh, beautiful actresses that you work with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you don't have to comment on that. <laughs> Me and Brad, right? Me and Brad. <laughs> Everyone that Brad works with, he's like, oh yeah, that was my girlfriend. Like, we see it all of the tabloids. Yeah, funny. Uh, we had uh, Chez Starbuck on, who starred in the 13th year, and he talked about going to a, a private performing arts school as a kid and how it didn't seem special, him running off and doing all these movies and TV shows, given that you know everyone in the school at the time was kind of pursuing the same goals. For someone like yourself, who I believe was going to public school, how was that different? You know, Were kids jealous? Were you kind of the big man on campus? Uh, were you being made fun of? I guess, what was your experience like growing up? Um, okay, so everyone... Uh, like high school experience is different, you know? Um, and it's just, it's just true. We all know, like, the, the the way that we felt when we walked the halls and carried our book bags and went to class. And a funny thing happened um, at my high school. It was a high school that basically I got bussed out from my neighborhood to, like, Beverly Hills where Hamilton High School is. And, like, the first day of school, like, I was already an athlete, but, like, the first day of my freshman year, the the girl who was the prom queen, like the senior hottest girl who became the homecoming queen, um, she was the one that was like, oh my God, you're so cute. You're going to sit with me every single day. <laughs> so like my high school years were set. Because like <laughs> the freshman was like the senior girl who was like the hottest girl in school, like the homecoming queen, like my big sis. And was like, you're hanging out with me all the time. Wow. And so that was, like, my, like, adoption. And then, like, the next year, the same thing happened. Like, um, Morgan Chitty was the prettiest girl in school. Um, her and Tanea Price. And they were, like, just sitting at the senior's table. So, like, my freshman and sophomore year, I sat at, like, the coveted, like, senior's table. And at the time, I don't think that I was on, like, any, like, big shows yet. You know, I was doing stuff, but, like, not anything that, like, was on that radar, you know? And so I'd be at school and then, like, leave for two months, and I'd come back, and they're like, where were you? I was like, oh, I was in um, Chicago with Usher um, making, a, making a movie. <laughs> I was like, 
me and Usher and Rosario Dawson and Vanessa Williams and Forrest Whitaker and Sarah Gilbert from Roseanne. I'm like, yeah, they're all my neighbors. <laughs> I was making a movie with them. And so, like, I think that, like, not only did I not have a bad beginning, luckily, but, like, it kept growing because when I came back, whoever was more popular, that was, like, my report card, you know, of where I'd been for six months. And then my family, because they felt guilty that I was like wasn't having a lot of um, you know in school time, they let me throw parties, <laughs> and I would throw the parties of the freaking the whole state of California. I had kids coming from Santa Barbara to Los Angeles for my parties, which is like an hour and a half away, and. <laughs> And what I did was all of my friends who were athletes, who were like the popular athletes at other schools, I would tell them that they were going to throw the party with me. So I had like four or five guys who were like the popular senior guys at other schools all throwing the party with me at my house. It would be like 400, 500 people at my house. It was insane. Oh, my God. And <laughs> I, I never even thought of the fact that like, you know, that part of that like reason why everyone was so excited was I was on television time. I never thought of it. <laughs> I, never, I never watched myself on TV ever. So I never, like, it never really, like, fully clicked, like, what I did. Like, I know that I went to work, and, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have to work 60 hours a week, 12 hours a day, five days a week. I get to work at 7 a.m. every single morning, sometimes 6, and leave at, you know, 7 p.m. at night. So I was working, but I was not always adults, and, like, I had a lot of responsibility because, like, the show was my show and it was in my name. But when I left and went, like, home, I would just, like, order Domino's pizza and play video games and play GoldenEye like everybody else, you know? It's just, like, that's what you did back then. And I, it never really clicked that, like, oh, crap, I was on television. <laughs> and it's so funny. It's one of my partners throwing parties now does that for huge stadiums all across the nation. He does, like, a lot of the comedy tours. Like, I think he works with Kevin Hart and Steve Harvey and all that kind of stuff. He kept throwing these big events. As he learned so much, we made so much money. We made so much cash. Like, just selling, like, $10 at a door for a red Solo cup. Wow. <laughs> well, I just added such an innocent approach to it. Like, my, my dad always told me, like, you know, stay a kid for as long as you can. So, like, I just kind of always... I didn't, never really was, like, sitting on some sort of throne because of it. I just loved having everyone around. I loved having a good time, you know, playing music and having your friends over and playing pool and getting in trouble and playing tag and chasing up the girls, you know, and racing cars in the street. But it never, like, I, I was doing it as just a regular, like, high school teenager. No one ever trash-talked you on the basketball court saying, you know, Using your using your name from like Alley Cat Strike, like oh I could beat up on Todd. Todd McLemore doesn't have shit on me. Like no one actually like used those things from the films on the on the quarter in uh, any of the sports you were actually playing in high school, right? Well, no, because I already had a reputation as a good athlete before I ever got into acting. No one would ever say something like that to me. I would destroy <laughs> them. I was I was a great basketball player. And I played for a lot of great teams in California. Like I played with Baron Davis. Um, oh, wow. I played with another guy named Steve McMarion who was in L.A. He was basically like Sean Kemp in, like, middle school. He was 6'4". He could dunk like Dan there from the free throw line. And like, we all played on the same team. Uh, Cedric Bozeman, who played for Harvard-Westlake, who was basically like a like a young, like, 
Russell Westbrook type. Like, all these kids who were, like, the best kids in LA, I played on their team, Anthony Locke. And I would just, like, lock them up. So I, I never really had somebody ever try and, like, you know, like, challenge me or, like, flex on me or, like, you know, because I kind of already had the reputation of, like, being a badass fucking athlete. What was your basketball game like? Who would you compare it to in the NBA today? Um, That's a great question. Shit. I would probably relate my basketball aptitude. That's a great, great question. Probably like a Scotty Pippen. So defense first. Yeah, defense first, heavy defense. I would get – I would tell people, listen, I don't care what your average is. Today you're going to score zero points today. Zero. Like, I'm going to embarrass you in front of your parents. And I would say that like almost every day. <laughs> people are afraid. So I would tell someone, I'm like, I'm going to get six steals on you this game. And I got that. I got that from Michael Jordan. Because Michael Jordan, he would say to whoever he played, oh, today I'm getting 42 on you. And then he would count backwards. And he would score and say 40, and then score again and say 38, and score again and say 36, and count down. So I used to feel that move where I go, 10 steals there. I'm like, nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was, I was. And then in baseball, I used to always steal, steal, steal um, bases. I was like, oh, all I wanted to do was be part of 40 40 club. 40 40 club is like uh, 40, 40 stolen bases, 40 home runs. Which is what Jay Z's restaurant thing after. <laughs> so like, I was like super sports mind. I, and like I was hanging out with Shaquille O'Neal and he was inviting me to the Lakers games. And I'd go meet like Kobe and like Nick Van Exel and all these guys, Eddie Jones and, you know, Danny Manning from the Clippers. Like, I met all those guys. It was great. Magic. I got to meet Jordan. I got to play with Jordan a bunch of times. My, I never even thought about it. Like when I was living in Chicago, my next door neighbor was Usher. I don't know how many celebrities know each other. <laughs> and he would ask me to go to the gym every single day to go play basketball. We go play for his. He wanted to train for cardio. He'd do like two hours in the gym. I would beat his ass. And I was 15. He was 19. He was on tour with Janet Jackson. And I was like, bro, I don't care how famous you are or how well you can dance. You're not gonna beat me in no basketball game. I'm gonna demolish you. <laughs> he hated it. We were friends. He hated the fact that I was younger and always beat him. And he would invite me to go to the gym at like one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. And ironically, we're in Chicago, and R. Kelly rented out a gym for him and his friends. And they would go at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and freaking Jordan would come by and play. And Oh, my God. One time, I'm on the court. I smack the freaking like hardwood. I put my arms out, and Jordan does this move, and I steal the ball from Jordan. And right when I steal the ball from he grabbed me by the back of his shirt and just like clothesline me, like <laughs> grabbed me by the neck and just like ripped me back and then went and got the ball. And he's like, I don't care, I don't care how, how young you are, you're never going to rip me. Man, that was it. That was it. But I ripped Jordan. Oh, my God. For some reason in my mind, I have the image from like the Chappelle show where they go over to uh, Prince's house and challenge their crew to a game of basketball. I don't know why that came to mind, but. Uh, right, uh, right. <laughs> now, now, check this out. Here's something that I didn't know. Uh, Jordan knew who I was because he had kids and they watched Cousin Peter. So he watched me all the time. <laughs> and, then, 
I never knew that. But one time I was at a Lakers basketball game at the Forum in Inglewood, California. Shaq had invited me to come to the game with my grandmother and then come meet him in the locker room afterwards after the game. I'm walking in the Lakers tunnel. Michael Jordan's there getting an award that day. And Michael Jordan asked me for a photo. He was like, can I get a photo with you? Oh. I was like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I remember... I remember he didn't know that I had a camera in my pocket, but it was like a, a Kodak, like one of those wind-up cameras. Yeah. And he had this really, really nice camera that was like gold. So I like, couldn't pull my camera out after he just pulled his out. You know what I mean? So I, he puts his arm around me, and I smile, and he smiles, and we take the photo. Years later, I'm in Toronto. Um, it's after the Raptors game, and Wayne Gretzky, who played, he's Canadian, he also played for the LA Kings, but he also played in Canada, has a restaurant that's in downtown Toronto. Went to the restaurant with one of my coworkers, Lou Gossett Jr. from In His Father's Shoes. He was the um, uh, academy, first, I think, first Black Academy Award winner. Maybe Sidney Poitier, but he's up there. Like, like Denzel's favorite actor, that kind of thing. And Lou brought me to this dinner. Wayne Gretzky's sitting there, Isaiah Thomas is sitting there, Tracy McGrady. Reggie Miller and Vince Carter all sitting in my dinner table. And Reggie Miller looks at me and goes, I know who you are. He's like, I've seen your photo a million times on top of Michael Jordan's television in his living room. <laughs> like, oh my God. Dude, my photo was on top of the television in Michael Jordan's house because his kids love Cousin Peter. <laughs> how, how crazy is that? That is absolutely nuts. And I don't know if you've heard, but the new uh, ten-part docu series, The Last Dance, is moving up on ESPN. So maybe there's a brief segment in the documentary about about that very thing, and maybe your photo is still on his uh, Dude, on his mantle. He's he's um, it's coming out in April, right? They moved it up. Yeah, right? yeah. Everyone's everyone's excited about it. LeBron commented on it. Everybody, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, I kind of want to, I know this interview's kind of gone away from me, but this is good. Uh, I see you've now gotten into, you know, personal health and fitness. Uh, what was the motivation for getting into that and wanting to help others reach their fitness goals? Yeah, I mean, anyone who knows the story, uh, the real story is I uh, had a broken heart. Uh, came home one day, and the love of my life was, like, gone. She just left. And I remember, like, I called her and I asked her, are you okay? She said, yeah. And I was like, I ever talk. And I remember, like, feeling so weak. And if I walk into a room, like, smelling a perfume, <laughs> smell a thought or picture, I would just crumble and collapse. I was like, I, mean, I got to build myself back up. I need to, like, strengthen my core so that I don't, like, collapse and crumble every time I think of this girl. So I started doing planks. And then I worked with my doctor on figuring out what would be, like, the most effective, like, workout to get, like, really, really strong, like, really, really fast, and, like, not a lot of, like, running or cardio, because I don't really like cardio. So my doctor and I came up with Highway Fit, and it's actually, like, medically sound and physician endorsed. It's, like, super intricate, but it looks really simple, and it's low intensity, so anybody can do it. And then I was just raised, like, cool as you climb, so once it started working for me, I started helping other people. And there was a girl that I met who walked into a gold's gym. Her name is Tiffany Carr. She was 400 pounds, and she had never known fitness in her life. And she said, all I want to do is 
be under 200 pounds before my 30th birthday. So I was like, do you, would you like some help? And she said, yeah. So I took her and the same high weight workout that I did, I did it with her, but I made some modifications um, based on just, you know, where she was in her journey. And then that's when I came up with the Your Road, Your Freedom slogan for it. And she lost like 250 pounds. Her whole life is different. And so I just, that was in 2013. And now I've just been, you know, doing that and having that as my social health initiative with my doctor ever since then. Wow. No, that's a remarkable story. It's amazing. I've, I've, I've had over a million, a million people. Like, I, I, I walk through airports now, and it's so funny that, like, there's people who walk in the airport who yell at me for highway fit. Like, it'll be, like, a TSA, like, employee or somebody who works, you know, like, or they have a high-demand job, and they're always at the airport. They're like, yo, I love highway fit. I do it at the airport. I'm like, oh, that's so dope. So... All the different levels of, of highway fit are based off of like the airport. So it's like like a, a person who flies for the first time is the first timer, then like a jet setter. I have like the jump seat people who ride in the, in the cockpit. I have my frequent flyers, and they're all different levels. Um, that I and then the elite traveler that I've leveled up, which is the same workout but modified based on where you are in um, your road to fitness freedom. No, that's incredible. And I think especially now during this quarantine, I know I've had to get creative with my workouts. I'm breaking out the pots and pans and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, what are some exercises that you recommend without any equipment that people could do inside? Yeah, for sure. So go do highway fit. The best thing for you to do is go to um, on the go fit. Um, it's a mobile app. And if you have an iOS or an iPad, you can download it. And then just type in Highway Fit. My, my name comes right up, and it's a low-intensity workout. It's all face-down isometrics. So that's the one thing that I think that was my goal, which was how do we make this as effective as easy as possible? And like you're saying, you put together, like, pots and pans and all kind of stuff. Like, it seems kind of like you're having to do all this extra stuff that actually has nothing to do with your actual health. It has to do with your activities of, like, basically entertaining yourself. But that has nothing to do with your health or your fitness. And so I made it really comprehensive that you can basically use your own body weight uh, against gravity and really just activate, like, all of your muscle groups through this workout. It's 13 moves. Um, if you do it straight through, they're about 30 seconds each. It would take you, you know, about seven minutes. But for most of us, we're doing it in about 13 minutes, basically a minute allocated to each exercise. Um, and uh, you'll love it. You know, follow me on the gram. Um, I put links on there all the time. There's a link right in my bio. If you go on Instagram, just go right in my name. My, my name is The Robert Richard. It's The Robert Richard Instagram. And then right there in the top of the bio, there's a blue link. Click on that link, and it goes right to the um, uh, Highway Fit on On The Go Fit. My listeners will definitely check that out. Robert, I really appreciate your time. I just wanted to end on five rapid-fire questions if you're ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, favorite post-workout meal? Uh, champagne. Next. <laughs> do you do you still have the Alley Cat Strike red and black bowling shirt from the film? I have the red and white um, Alley Cat Letterman jacket. It's sitting in my closet, and I still wear it, and it's so sexy. <laughs> uh, tough question. Are your bowling skills closer to the character of Todd? Or are your basketball skills closer to Damian Carter from Coach Carter? Basketball skills closer to Damian Carter for sure. But don't be confused. I can definitely bowl 170 in some bowling. <laughs>
take me out. I love I love a good challenge with my Mickey Mouse bowling ball. Sure. <laughs> shout, shout out to Disney. Uh, what is your favorite Disney Channel original movie aside from Alley Cat Strike, of course? Oh, original movie? Um, <laughs> I, I, I know I'm throwing you back here. Uh, you know, Brink, Johnny Tsunami, Cadet Kelly, all these classics from back in the day. I know there's so many that I love, but what's my favorite? Uh, I'm going with Alley Cat. That's the best one, dude. It's, it's sport. It's great. It's got cute girls in it that became superstars. <laughs> like, that's the best one. And uh, but most importantly, uh, would you be interested in a potential Alley Cat Strike sequel where perhaps Todd follow in steps of his father, is now the mayor, his daughter is not into sports, but somehow ends up on the bowling team? That's an amazing uh, show. Let's do it. That would be great. <laughs> Alley Cat Strike, dude. Heck yeah, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. You know, if you actually, it might be even more, like, incredible if we did it with Twin Girls. That might be cool. Ah. I think we need to get a writing room together. Uh, Robert, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the Relunchables podcast. I really appreciate it. Man, dude, I would love that. It's great. This has been awesome. Um, you've been a great host. Um, but, yeah, maybe we should talk about that. Listen, we'll have Twin Girls. One has to be the bowler, and then the other one has to do the vlogging, like the video blogging. Uh, and the, the other the, the other twin she does like cool graphics where like you roll the ball and it's like on fire and like blows the pins up it's like <laughs> so it's like it's like modern day but then Super Bowl you know exactly so we have the we have the pro bowler then we have the TikTok influencer that's recording all the videos and she blows up yes for sure <laughs> she comes talking because she's like has so many followers she's like the lightning bowler. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank, thank you so much, Robert. I really appreciate it. You're great, man. Awesome. I would like to thank my guest, Robert Richard, for coming on the podcast. You could find him on social media. He's the Robert Richard on Instagram. And I would encourage all my listeners to download the app On The Go Fit for all your health and fitness needs. You could subscribe to the Relunchables podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a rating or review. Five stars only. Next week, We'll be covering the Disney Channel original movie, Smart House. So stay tuned. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.